Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. It's good to uh, be back here. Um, my family joined the church, I think, about a year ago today, and so, or maybe about a month or so, but we are glad to be here and learning to uh, know you all, and so it's been great. I think this is my third or fourth time in the pulpit, and so for those of you that haven't experienced me in the pulpit, please come back next week, right? James is much better than me. Um, I'm a little bit different. I get a little energetic up here. I, I say amen a lot. You can say amen. Um, Brother Mike, let him know that in the first service, like it's okay to, to be responsive. Uh, but it is good to be back with you today. And to those of you that are sitting in this section right here, Matt told me that, that no one was going to show up in this section. With like two minutes ago, no one was here. And so, Matt, you owe me lunch now because they're here, all right? Good deal. I got lunch for this week. It's my hope that all of you had a great Christmas, that all of you are starting the new year out just right where you should be with friends and family. Uh, and it's good to be in worship together as a community of believers together today. Um, new Year's is, is a good time. I like New Year's. I like the idea of setting a resolution, although I have to admit my track record with resolutions is not very good. I like to set them. I like the challenge of them. Uh, I don't so much like the sacrifice and work it puts, you have to put into making it, it work. How many of you have set a resolution for this year? Anybody? All right, a few of you, good. Um, some of you after today probably won't when you hear what I have to say about resolutions, and that's okay. Um, how many of you have set one in the past, though? Right? How many of you have been successful keeping your resolution? Ooh, crickets. Okay, that's all right. I'm not very good myself, but the one I remember most happened about, uh, probably about seven years ago, I was pastoring a church in Verdon, and we were having a, a little bit of a, a get-together with some members and some family, and everybody about 10 o'clock or so at night, everybody was going around the table and saying what their resolution was, and I thought that was pretty cool. I hadn't really thought of one in depth, but I had one that I should probably put in place, and so I did. Well, if you know me, I love to drink soda. I don't like coffee. I like a little bit of tea, but soda is my, is my enemy now. It's not good for me. But I like it, Mountain Dew specifically. And so I decided that year I was going to give up soda for the entire year. I said, that's what I'm going to do. And so I set that resolution, and it was going to be specifically no Mountain Dew or any other soda for a year. So 12 o'clock, we're all going to hold each other accountable. Yay, Happy New Year. The party was still going on. At 12.15, I cracked open a Mountain Dew. I couldn't do it. It was over, right? That resolution was long gone. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm sure some of you have also failed at resolutions, but that's okay. That's okay because we get it time and time again to correct them. We get redemption. We get second chances, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning is second chances. You know, life is full of opportunities, so it's fitting we talk about second chances at the start of a new year. And I want you to think about all the opportunities in the next few seconds that God has blessed you with. Believe it or not, God has blessed us all with opportunities in our life. So I want you to sit and think about those for just a minute today. I want you to think about the idea that sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. And thank God for second chances when we do, right? Thank God for those second chances. We just celebrated the birth of Jesus we just celebrated the idea that he brings with him hope, joy, peace, and love, something that we all need most desperately. And now we're going to celebrate the idea of redemption that comes from him as well. And to do so, we're going to talk about a character in Scripture, and we're going to talk about the idea 
of redemption in his life and use it as an example for ourselves. I want to think about this right here. We celebrate Jesus who brought with him the promises of hope, joy, peace, and love to those who would receive. So the first thing to think about today is have you received that gift? Have you received that gift of hope, joy, peace, and love? Do you know the source of true redemption? And I want us to think about that. I want us to think about, for many of us here today, we wear a label. You might not know it, but if you're here today and you are a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, then we wear a label as a follower of Christ. We are followers. We are believers in Jesus Christ. And so, if that is so, then we should be doing the best that we can to live a life that is devoted and dedicated to honoring only him. Right? The gospel, nothing more, nothing less, only Christ. In Christ alone. And so I want you to think about your life and the plans you make and the resolutions you make and the decisions you make, and does it bring glory and honor and praise to God? If we're honest with ourselves, we should have some sort of conviction there this morning. Because although we're starting a new year and there is a chance of a fresh start and there is a chance of hope, we have to come to the source of conviction. We have to come to the realization that we all need redemption. And I want us to think about this. Because guess what, church, if you're like me, then there are times when I step out of my faith journey with Christ. There are times when I stumble. There are times when I don't make the right decision. And when that happens, we have a big choice to make. What do you do with it? Do you allow that bad decision to become your master? Do you allow it to take over who you are, your thinking? Do you allow doubt and shame and guilt to become the thing that controls you? Or do you move forward? Do you throw a pity party? Do you go down this path that can be destructive? That can take us further and further away from God. Regardless of which of those choices we choose, the point this morning is this, is that we all fall away. We all fall short of the glory of God. And when that happens, we can consider ourselves failures. Church, for far too long, many of us have let our mistakes define who we are. For far too long, we've let that thing that we're ashamed of, that that thing that rears its head back and forth, that sin that we just can't put out of our mind, we've let it control us for too long. God has a plan laid out for us. And guess what? In that plan and in his will for our life, we're going to have stumbling blocks. And we're going to have moments that can define us, but it doesn't have to define us for the worse. It can define us for the better if we allow his plan to be fulfilled, if we allow him to continue to be in the driver's seat. Church, if you hear nothing else today, nothing else that I say, please hear this. Christ follower, that's you, you are not defined by the mistakes that you've made in the past. You're not defined by those mistakes. You are only defined by one thing, and that's the blood of Jesus. Amen? Those mistakes can't define you anymore. You can't allow them to define you anymore. You can only be defined by Jesus. So today, as we talk about second chances, there's only one true source of second chance, and that is Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand this morning if you've made a mistake in your life that you regret. Anybody? All right, a few of us. A few of us have made, some of us are perfect, and that's okay. I need to get to know you, maybe shake hands. Maybe you're here, and with the start of a new year, you need this second, third, thousandth, millionth, billionth chance, right? If you're anything like me, I need it. I need redemption. I need a second chance. And so, if that is you today, 
Maybe you need to start over. And maybe it's okay to do so. But we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with our current status or situation? What do we do with that sin or what do we do with that mistake? How do we push it out? Well, I had a conversation with someone after the first service and she said something that really stuck with me. She said, you know, I can never forget this thing that I struggled with, but I always remember that I'm forgiven. Amen? It's a sermon in itself. I'll never forget it, but maybe we're not meant to. But we're supposed to remember that we are forgiven, that we were offered a second chance. And I asked her, I said, well, what happened afterwards? And she said, well, it was after that fact that my family drew closer in the church. And it was after that fact that we drew closer as a family. And it was after that fact that I was able to change my attitude about things. So I'd say God used that second chance for his good. Think about this idea of redemption. It's offered to all of us. When it comes to being a follower of Christ, we have to be obedient to his plan for our lives. We have to stick to it, even when things get rough. We can't give up. So today we're going to look at Peter. We're going to look at his rise. We're going to look at his fall. We're going to look at redemption that's offered. We're going to look at him as an example to all of us of second chances, but we're also going to look to him as an example of what it means to move past your past and to move into the future that God has planned for us. As we do so today, we're going to bounce through a couple of Gospels. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 26. If you have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen, but I don't like you to cheat. If you brought one, use it. If not, there's some pew Bibles. You have a device, get it out too. I'm Baptist, right? We, we, we open that up. We're not technologically savvy. Well, I'm not technologically savvy. So today we're going to look at Peter. Let's start in Matthew 26. We're going to begin in verse 31 and 35. It brings us to a Peter who has been an active part in the ministry of Jesus. He's been active with the 11 other disciples. This was his rise. He was trusted enough to do ministry work. He was trusted enough to live out the gospel. He was active in serving others and following Jesus and being used by Jesus wherever he was needed. And just after coming to the table and sharing communion with the disciples, Jesus informs Peter what his immediate future is going to look like. Right? So as we get to this familiar passage, we're going to see what Jesus promises Peter is going to happen. Verse 31, Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So here we have Peter, like us, for most of us, have a relationship with Christ, been doing what um, we can to share the gospel and spread the gospel with not only our words but our actions. And Jesus says, hey, that's great and all, but here's what's really going to happen. So maybe we have a confident Peter, like many of us, with resolutions and change we want to make, and we think, yep, I can do this. Yep, I got this. Yep, I don't care what you say. Even though you know me best, I'm going to make it. Now, how many of you, your parents, have given you advice at some point in your life, and you're like, yeah, that's great, but I know best, right? Anybody in here? Right. Listen to mom and dad, young people. If, if you're here today and you're, you stuck it out in here, listen to your mom and dad. They do know best for the most part, right? I heard an amen. That's great. So we have Peter, who's in this relationship with Jesus, and he's vowed to live his life serving and honoring him and only him. 
And with this commitment so far, Peter has seen very little opposition. He's seen very little pushback, right? Because he's been serving with a group of people, with his friends, his closest family. He's been serving with Jesus, so he's had very little strife get in the way that Jesus couldn't handle. And so now, he's had some learning moments here and there, but nothing on the level of disowning or denying the one he loves most. Peter's a lot like us this morning. A dawn of a new year is among us, and we have goals and we have plans in mind and dreams and motives to follow. And in the blink of an eye, church, we may face a challenge that's going to rock our world. We may face a challenge that gets us upset. We may face a challenge that makes us feel hopeless. We may face something or do something that we think is going to derail us in our life with Christ. We're going to see what happens to Peter. Because after this conversation with Jesus happens, we know that Jesus leaves and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And while he's there, he's praying over the situation. We know that this is the kind of the starting point of the cross and leading to the events of the cross. And so at that point, Jesus is saying, look, guys, this is what's going to happen. Believe it or not, take it for what it's worth. And at that point, I kind of imagine Peter still being overconfident and saying, that's all right. That's all right because I've been trained by you. I love you more than anything else. I got this. But then we, we see poetry in motion. We see things take place. And we see this opportunity for Peter to practice what he preaches, that Jesus is all that matters, that Jesus is the only matter of importance in his life, and that his loyalty to him in the midst of the world's betrayal won't matter. And I want you to, to take that in today. Is Jesus the only thing or the, of the most importance in your life? Is he above any and everything else? If not, then we need to start there this morning. See, it's like us today, maybe early this morning or last night, you made a resolution to do something good for yourself this year. Maybe you chose to exercise more. I didn't make that. I should, but I didn't. Maybe you chose a word to live by. You know, that's a popular thing I see on social media. I'm going to live by this word. Or maybe, like me, you chose to give up soda. It's hard. Don't do it. Right? It's real hard. Or maybe you made a personal commitment like, letting go and allowing God to leave your life, actually shedding the things that have held you down for so long and allowing them to stay in the past. Maybe you've chose to accept that the blood of Christ covers all. Maybe you've chose to finally let go this year and let God be the one who guides you and directs you and leads you. You don't have to be a slave to that sin anymore, as we just sang about. You don't have to do it. Are you willing to choose redemption? Are you willing to choose obedience to following God's plan for your life? And like Peter did in, in this moment, maybe we start with the utmost confidence that we can move forward, we can do this, and we plan to stay committed. But if we skip ahead a little bit in the chapter, we're going to see how Peter fares with his commitment and vow to Jesus. So let's take a look, starting in verse 69. It says, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You were also with Jesus of Galilee, he, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. Now I want to stop right there. We hear that word oath. We hear it in a courtroom a lot. It's important, right? It's a word that makes us stop and think, wow, this is a, a deep level of commitment. 
If we make an oath to someone, it's like saying, I swear, I swear by whatever that I'm going to make sure my word stays true to you. So I want you to think about how serious this commitment Peter made was. He says, he denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. So here we have Jesus who loved Peter, or who, we have Peter who loved Jesus more than anything else, and now he's swearing that he doesn't even know who he is. Think about how hard that would be to come back from. How hard that would be to bounce back from. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter, remember the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Now let's pause right there, and I want you to take yourself, put yourself in Peter's shoes this morning. You as a follower of Christ, you as a Christian have vowed to Jesus that you love him, that you want to serve him, that you want your life to be uh, honoring to him, and you had the confidence to back it up, but then life happens. Failures hit, and we're faced with a decision to make. What happens next? Do we allow the sin and the mistakes to build up and become a master over us? Do we give up because we're embarrassed or we're hurt or depressed over our mistakes? In that moment in verse 75, Peter recalls the words Jesus spoke, and I imagine... I imagine his heart drops to his stomach. And I imagine guilt and shame are all he can think of. And it's overcome him in this moment. And we we read that he begins to cry and, and weep bitterly. I'm guessing in that moment, this admission of guilt, that he feels hopeless. And that he feels embarrassed. And he feels like a liar. And that he feels like a failure. Peter, who had set out with vigilance and diligence to follow and remain loyal to Jesus realizes that like all of the truths that Jesus shared with him and others, his words were true and he betrayed Jesus. I don't know about you, but if we take this personal walk with Christ and we take it to heart and we really live by it, that's enough to to shake your world. That's enough to throw you off your journey, to take you off the path, if you will. And we can relate to Peter in this moment. Think about when you reached a moment when you failed or hit rock bottom in your life. The only way back to where you need or want to be is redemption. The only way back is by someone offering or extending to you a second chance. And church, there's no other source of true redemption than Jesus Christ. There's no other source at all. There's no substance, there's no person, there's no thing that can offer second chance chances the way Jesus can. Amen? So if there's no other way, let's quit looking for it. Let's not go anywhere else but here. Let's not go anywhere else but Jesus himself to the foot of the cross and realize that that redemption that was paid on the cross was paid for all of us. And that sin that you keep nailing him back to the cross with every time has been paid for once and for all. And that redemption is laid out for you to grab it and take it and make it your own. We pick up his redemption story. I like to bounce to the book of John, chapter 21, or in verse 15. It says this, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's referring to the people around him, the other disciples, the crowd that just saw what had happened. 
you're not familiar with this passage, this is when Peter and the disciples went out to fish and they cast their nets and they, they caught nothing. And then they see a figure in the distance. They later find out it's Jesus and he tells them to cast their nets on the other side. They grab all these fish. And in that moment, do you know what Peter, those of you that remember the story, do you know what Peter did? The rest of them stayed in the boat and they're like, oh, that's Jesus. We're going to make our way. That wasn't fast enough for Peter. You know what he did? He was fishing and back then, you know, he was in the water. So he, he got his garments, he put them on and he swam to Jesus. He ran, he did everything he could to get to him as quick as he could. Because this is after he had already denied him. This is after that moment of guilt and shame. Peter had a chance at redemption, a second chance it was being given, and he was going to take it, and nothing was going to stop him. Church, you have a chance at redemption this morning, a chance to not let sin own you anymore. Will you knock things out of the way that block you from Jesus to get to him? Or will you continue to allow them to be barriers to keep you apart? I love this passage for so many reasons. First, we see Peter chose to pick himself up when he failed. He could have let the denial of Jesus be the end of him, but he didn't. He tried again. He chose progress over regress. Right before this conversation, when the disciples had been out fishing, they realized they were talking to Jesus, and, and that's when Peter, it sunk into him. This is my chance. This is my opportunity. See, if I'm in Peter's situation, I'm probably going to go hide in the boat, right? Because I'm ashamed. Man, you were right. You were right. I did mess up. I did deny you. I'm ashamed and I have guilt. But he didn't do that. What an example to us. Secondly, before Jesus officially reinstates Peter as a leader of the ministry of the early church, Peter vows again his love for Christ in this passage. Repeatedly, he says, you know that I love you. And lastly, we see Jesus says this to him. He gives him an invitation. Two words, follow me. He says to him, follow me. And if you know the story of Peter, you know that he was chosen to be the leader of the first church. And if we think back to when Jesus changes Peter's name from Simon to Peter, he did so with a purpose. He chose Peter because Peter means what? Rock, cornerstone, foundation. Jesus says, I don't care about those mistakes. Yes, they happened and you'll never forget them, but remember what I did through them and now you're the rock on which I build my church. See, we should find confidence in that church. We should be motivated that our past doesn't have to define us, but yet we can allow it to build us to the person that Christ wants us to be. In this redemption story of Peter spread throughout the two gospels, we see Peter move through circumstances and move on to successful second chances and third chances. Think about the ministry. Think about the early church. Think about the early days of the early church. Shortly after this happened, the church grew immensely, right? Thousands are being added daily through the ministry of Peter and the others. He took a second chance and he ran with it. As we close, I want you to think about areas in your life where you need a second chance today where you need a shot at redemption. Maybe it's something you've been dealing with for a long time and God's laid on your heart today and said, this is it. Don't carry it anymore. Let go of it. Or maybe there's someone in your life that you're struggling with and it just needs to be put to rest. You both need to move forward. Maybe it's time. Maybe there's a chance at redemption today. 
Jesus offered redemption to Peter. He offers it to us today. But it does require us to take action. Just as we mentioned, Peter took action. He swam to Jesus. He did what he had to do to get to him. He did what he had to do to receive that shot at redemption. Sometimes, church, when we've fallen, the best thing we can do is go back to where it all began. Right? When we've fallen, the best thing we can do is go back where it started, which is at the foot of the cross. So today, there's an invitation to you to go back to the foot of the cross. Start this year where we should be, on our knees, humble before Christ. Jesus went back to offer Peter another beginning, a second chance to make things right. But for that to happen, Peter had to go back to Jesus. Church, most of you are no stranger to the story of the prodigal son. And redemption looks like the father in that story, right? Redemption looks like this. The son made one bad decision after the other. One after the other, and he probably had guilt. We know he had shame, and we know he contemplated whether he was good enough to go back home. But in that story, when he finally makes the decision and he has the courage like Peter to go back, what do we see? Does the dad wave him in and say, come on down the lane? No. No, he drops everything. He says, it doesn't matter what you did. And he runs to meet him at the middle of the lane and he opens up his arms and he receives him just as he is. He didn't have to get perfect to come home. He was received. He was offered redemption. He was offered a second chance by the father who showed him love, who kissed him on the neck and said, welcome home. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to receive that invitation, come home. Brother, sister, church, come home today. Come back to the Savior, receive redemption, receive second chances that he and only he can offer. Last week, we celebrated the arrival of Jesus and his purpose for us. And today, we visit the gift that he offers. Today, he meets you here at the altar, ready to receive you, ready to offer redemption, ready to extend forgiveness. Jesus offered redemption to Peter in this story by ending it with these instructions. Follow me. What will you do with that invitation this year? Let's pray. Father God, you know that this life isn't easy. You know that it's tough. You know that we battle and you know that sometimes we fail, Lord, but you died and sent your son to die once and for all on that cross. Those failures had a price. And that price was paid with the blood of Jesus. And that redemption was offered and given to us for those that will receive it. Lord, it's my prayer if there's anyone here today that has yet to receive the offer of redemption, yet to take up the free gift of salvation, that they'll do so today. Lord, we thank you for loving us first. We thank you for second chances. Lord, we ask that you use us to spread the gospel with not just the words we say, but with the actions of our feet as well. And all God's people said, if there's any decision that you need to make today, let, let me know. Let anybody on this stage know. Catch an elder. Let James know when he comes back. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. Redemption, second chances are for all of us.